Health and happiness, everyone. Welcome to the Strength and Motion Show, an online experience created specifically for the members and fans of Strength and Motion Academy. If you haven't heard of our space before, we are a 24-7 gym in Midvale, Western Australia, and our goal is to provide the space where people can build a strong and mobile body using a functional and holistic health approach to training and life. If this is your first time listening to the show, then thank you for tuning in, and I strongly encourage you to get stuck into our first five episodes. These first five are a complete deep dive into hashtag the holistic way, which is our four-pillar approach to achieving health and fitness mastery. As experienced health and fitness coaches ourselves, we have identified movement, nutrition, sleep, and stress as the four key areas to always prioritize in order to live healthy and happy. You can do so by simply scrolling to the beginning of the episode list or search the Strength and Motion Show on YouTube and Facebook. Today, our topic is embracing anxiety, a journey to inner peace. Now, I absolutely love this topic. It's something I personally am finding myself talking to my clients a lot and something also I have personally struggled with myself. Arguably, everyone struggles with this, which is why this is going to be such a hot topic. This episode is for those who struggle with anxiety, which is arguably everyone. To me, those who say they don't struggle with anxiety are simply unaware of it or they are simply pretending they are not. As you'll get to understand over this episode, anxiety is a natural human behavior. It is hardwired into our system as breathing and digestion is. Anxiety has been given a massive, I wrote a message here, (laughs) massage. Anxiety has been given a massive red flag over the recent years and is something that is commonly ignored in the fitness industry when people are pursuing health and fitness goals. So before we start embracing anxiety and going on a journey to inner peace, let's welcome our co-host to the show, Navar Paul. Welcome. Hello. hello. Nav, what is, tell me, what's one thing, how, what's one example of how anxiety has served you in your Mm. life? And also, as we always start our shows with, what's going on in the world of Nav? What's alive in the life of Nav? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing that anxiety has uh, done for me in my life is during my darkest days when I was younger, I had so much anxiety around the future because I couldn't see a positive future because I didn't, in my own frame and and the challenges I had when I was younger, a lot of life was negative and painful for me. And so the thought of the future was painful. The thought of life was painful. Um, So in those times it was very painful and uncomfortable, but on the, uh, the hindsight, the silver lining is that has brought me to where I am today, where I have resilience, I've learned uh, a lot about personal growth and having a growth mindset and moving down that path in life. So I'm actually quite grateful for the level of anxiety I had in my history because I wouldn't be able to deal with anxiety in the way that I can now in regards to relationships, business, exercise, uh, everything in life which does bring a level of anxiety, right? Like living itself does bring a level of anxiety. Anxiety is a great motivator. Yeah. It's not the yeah. only motivator, but mm. it's a very effective motivator and serves a lot of people in that way. Yeah. What's going on in your life as well? What's in the world of NAV? Well, I think we're signing off 2023 and I just want to say that I've had yes. a brilliant year. Today, today is the 16th of December for those who listen. It's the last podcast for the year. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Mystery yeah. sound. Oh. <laughs> oh, there's not even anything there. Oh, there's no sounds today. And... Uh, oh, Next next week's the last week of business, technically, for myself. Mm. So mm-hmm. sign off the year really well. And today is actually 60 days sober. So for me, I've been pretty much sober off everything. But the recent 60 days has been caffeine and weed, marijuana. And I'm 60 days sober today. So beautiful, beautiful milestone. Well Go nav. Yeah, thank boy, you, thank you. Woo-hoo. What about yourself? What about what has anxiety taught you and what's been happening in your life? Um, anxiety... Uh, the anxiety is the reason I was so successful in my stripping career. That's mm. a definitely an example I use to my clients as well is that 
I used to get the the performance anxiety, the stage anxiety, and that is the anxiety that um, it made me value. It showed that I actually valued giving a good performance. Mm. And because if I, being in the stripping world, it's very easy to lose oneself. There's a lot of attention and there's a lot of reason to believe um, we're more we're bigger than we are. We're a more inflated persons than who we are because of the the money we make and the attention we got. But having that um, that fear of like doing a bad show and wanting to do such a good show every time, mm. um, I brought my A game every mm. single time. And I was going to make a joke that uh, I say to my clients, anxiety is the reasons we're, we're on time to things and we meet deadlines. But um, I don't meet deadlines very well. <laughs> no, I'm commonly late, which I'm working on. But also, it's a um, the, I notice as I allow myself to be more anxious around time, that actually does help me adhere to time boundaries a lot better as well. In the life of Josh, um, mm. I've just come back from Thailand, yep, which yep. is uh, which was a full thing. Uh, I had a bucks night with some a bucks week actually with some mates, and also got back from Bali as well. So I've had two holiday my first two holidays since starting the business in 2016. So that's Lovely. a win. So it's nice to be able to um, have more time available, and also just the um, just giving my, myself permission because I probably could have gone on a holiday years prior, but. Mm of my anxiety around work and leaving the gym i didn't feel like i was ready to do that so um yeah things are going good nice lovely yeah let's get into it uh team so um let's go with uh getting the audience the audience is you listeners getting you guys clear on anxiety so to kick things off let's briefly explore the history of anxiety and its evolution as a natural human state Anxiety has been with us throughout history, and while it's often seen as a challenge, it's essential to recognise that it's a fundal, fundamental, fun, fundamental part of the human experience. For all the listeners into the, in the, for all the listeners to this podcast, I want you to understand that anxiety is a term that we use to describe this natural human state, a natural human state. The state of being anxious is a function and behaviour of the body that's hardwired into our physiology, and anxiety is a label for the fear and stress response to threats. So anxiety to our ancestors is the mind and body just being alert to things that will threaten the survival, such as snakes, tigers, crocodiles, poisonous plants. It could even be other tribes, people, or even deadly terrain. Anxiety is even observed in primates, as are many other emotions. I really liked writing this. We didn't evolve to have anxiety. Anxiety evolved with us. So some interesting markers in the history of mankind. Anxiety labels emerged around the world back in Stoic times, which was the first and second century BC, Egyptians time, Egyptian times, 1900 BC, which was more associated under the term hysteria, Renaissance time, 14th to 17th century, also hysteria. This was fascinating, the Scottish 1500s. That was more associated with witchcraft. So if you had anxiety symptoms, you could actually be accused of witchcraft and be one of the approximate 15 or 12 to 1600 people who were also mostly women and were mostly either um, strangled and burnt mm. as a result of um, thinking they were witches. And um, 1800s, uh, war-based PTSD, that comes under the umbrella of anxiety. And it wasn't really until the 1980s that anxiety was anxiety disorder, I think it was 1880, no, no, 1985, I think it was, that it was actually labelled anxiety disorder. And then in the 1990s is when the introduction of antidepressant, medi- antidepressant medication came in. So we've only been drugged up on, um, on meds for maybe like, the last three to four decades and interestingly um there was a lot of um uh electro shock therapy was super Mm. common as well um just zapping people that had anxiety and ptsd so what a great way to treat anxiety is just to give them more of it but um 
it's very interesting seeing how the treatment has evolved and in my opinion no one's really fully hit the mark yet so mm. nav with that um, little brief history lesson what do you see is the common theme within that yeah so the key point is that anxiety has followed us throughout time mm. it's mostly most likely being with us forever right it's yeah. most likely as we're going to dive into it's just a a physiological response a, a, a biological psychological response yeah within our normal human nature and human experience, yeah. which isn't only just within these specific times as mentioned, but they would have been the times that someone has now symbolized it or labeled it as something. Exactly. Right. But it would have been a human experience that we've had throughout time, mm -hmm. uh, which really brings out the question uh, also, is anxiety even the problem or what if anxiety was simply feedback from our bodies? So mm. what is anxiety trying to teach us and what is the if we make the assumption that everything has some sort of use and what is the use of anxiety? Like yeah. what is this message that we're receiving from anxiety? Mm, that is a really great question. I like thinking of um, like, what if anxiety was a tool or in this case, what if anxiety was a feedback mechanism? Actually, let's, let's go into it. If anxiety was a feedback, feedback mechanism, what would that look like? To, yeah. you know, let's explain to listen, what would anxiety look like? Yeah, let's like firstly dive into the reframing of that and what would anxiety feel like? Mm. What, what are the symptoms of anxiety within someone? Mm -hmm. um, so noting here that anxiety fluctuates in intensity from mild to severe. Like mm -hmm. most things in life, there's a spectrum. Nothing in most cases is black and white. There's a gray mm -hmm. zone, right? And it's normally in a spectrum. So yes. the physical sort of symptoms that we could be experiencing is your elevated heart rate, muscular tension, increased breath rate, loss of appetite, dilated pupils, mm -hmm. difficulty relaxing, sitting, meditating, and mm -hmm. sleeping from the physical sense. Yeah, that's very good. You probably get um, like clammy hands and hot and sweaty as well for some people. Not yep. so much myself, but definitely a thing. Even um, like gastrointestinal sort of um, yeah. experiences. Um, chronic, chronic anxiety. Yeah. Chronic yeah. anxiety is pretty much chronic stress, uh, arguably, to the body. And yeah. um, uh, a lot of inflammation is caused by that as well. Yeah. It, it goes deep, as we're about to go deep into this topic anyway. But yeah. um, anything that comes under the stress umbrella basically comes under the, umbre uh, the anxiety umbrella also. Yeah. Yeah. What about some of the, if um, someone is experiencing like extreme markers, so on the, on the more um, deeper end of the, or the more intense end of the, anxiety spectrum what yeah. were some signs that we would see so things like sweating yep. shaking dizziness poor vision mm. uh, and I don't, what was that last point was that is that meant to be there fuck I don't know <laughs> <laughs> it must have got anxious throat. It was, oh, right, throat yeah yeah Let's um, just delete that note there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah normally they come together as well like sweating shaking dizziness mm. poor vision uh, most likely, if you're all having some sort of chronic anxiety or extreme mm -hmm. anxiety, then these are going to be markers that you're, you're probably consistently yeah, receiving. Panic, panic attacks and just yeah. any any sort of panic, which is, I think, where um, the hysteria started come from, like a mm. panic attack or an anxiety attack would, is what would have been labelled as hysteria. Yeah, and yeah. that's a, 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 apparently an abnormal behavior which yeah, when abnormal yeah. behaviors back in the day mm. they'd be like oh that person's possessed yeah or there's yeah. you yeah. know their organs i think one of them's when looking into the history of as i was doing the research they used to think that the womb because hysteria was more common in women mm. and they thought the the womb was actually climbing up into the chest and mm. so that's when they started performing exorcisms to get the demon out of because it sounded like something was like trying to come out mm. and so they would perform exorcisms or um uh another one they were um I don't know if they were forcing the women, but they were making the women have sex because mm. I think um, one of the, the Latin words or the Greek words was is linked to um, 
uterus mm. as, and hysteria. There's a link there, which is why it was most commonly um, the label came from a more feminine term. Yeah. But as we know now, that's just not the case. <laughs> the, yeah, the worms yeah. don't just climb into the chest. But these were all um, all symptoms of chaos. People in mm. chaos were experiencing anxiety. Uh, what about some of the mental uh, markers or the mental things that we might see from someone who's experiencing, whether it's low level or high level anxiety? So chaotic thinking or irrational thinking. Mm-hmm. So illogical to a degree, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it's unresourceful and it's thinking out, it, you're starting to hysteria, like you're yeah. becoming hysterical and then mm-hmm. your thought patterns are becoming chaotic and irrational. Yes. Yeah. Uh, fear, so being scared. Mm-hmm. Uh, and anticipation, agitation, they're all very similar, fear, anticipation, agitation, and then it will expand into a panic attack. Yes. Where if you have all those chaotic thinking, irrational thinking, um, and then normally it, it, there's a link between the physiological, biological and yes. uh, psychological anyway. And yes. so if you're having these mental to the point of panic attacks, you're most likely experiencing the, the sweatiness, the shaking, mm-hmm. uh, the heart rate increase and yes. all these breathing, all these things are occurring at the same yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. I remember one of my first, um, I managed, luckily intuitively I managed to hold my ground, but one of my first panic attacks mm. was actually... Um, when I had to do a stage speech in year 11 or year mm. 12 or something. And it was, um, I was on stage and like we had to, I went to a, a private school and we had to wear the button up with the tie and stuff. And every part of my body, I just got so hot. Mm. The moment they were like, Josh, you may commence your speech. Mm. I got really, really hot. And every part of my body was just like, trying to I wanted to just undo my tie and undo the buttons because my face felt like it was going red yeah. and um, intuitively I just managed to to regather my composure mm. and, and and go through the speech but mm. it was very it was such an overwhelming moment that um, it felt like five minutes that I was just heating up and standing in a sauna yeah. and um, yeah, I just wanted to share that was the first time I experienced like a mm. start of a higher level anxiety when I was you know and a lot of people have a fear of public speaking. Obviously, yeah. I don't, but um, I did back then. I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Now, I, th- so again, this is why I'm excited about this podcast because I'm very familiar with these symptoms. I've experienced them myself and by nature, I tend to attract clients who have also experienced that within themselves as well, which is mm. why I'm able to communicate so well with them on it. But to many of the coaches out there that may, may or may not be listening to this, they would understand that all of these symptoms to the audience, we're talking about anxiety, but in the coaching world or the medical, the health world, we're actually talking about sympathetic response. Mm. So these symptoms are someone, uh, we're talking about the autonomic nervous system and the difference of the scale or the spectrum of the parasympathetic nervous system to the sympathetic nervous system. Nav, would you be able to give us maybe a brief explanation to the audience about what do we mean by autonomic nervous system, parasympathetic and sympathetic, because that's going to actually frame how we talk about anxiety in the rest of this podcast. Yeah, beautiful. So the autonomic nervous system is the automatic functions of the body. So things like your breathing, heart rate, digestion, Mm -hmm. uh, temperature regulation, what have you. They're not things... Temporal. Temporal. (laughs) (laughs) Delicious. Yeah. Temperature regulation. So these are uh, automatic functions that Mm -hmm. just occur, right? We're not necessarily thinking about, okay, let's process these hormones or let's Mm -hmm. turn this on or that on or what have you. These are things that are happening on an automatic level. There are things that we can do, which we'll dive into that can Mm -hmm. shift our automatic response. Uh, And then you mentioned the parasympathetic and the sympathetic. 
Real simple way, the parasympathetic is your calm and compose or your rest and digest state. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that's when you're in a more relaxed heart rate, breath rate, brain function. That's where most of your blood goes to your organs for rest and digest mm -hmm, and for mm -hmm. healing and recovery. Yes. Where your sympathetic is when your functions are in an alert and survival state. So that's when mm. you have a high heart rate. That's when you have short-term thinking, dilated pupils, an increased muscular function mm -hmm. due to the blood going to the limbs for fight or flight. Yes. And that's what we would call your fight or flight or flee mm -hmm. or freeze, all the terms that we have these days, yeah. but that's yeah. the survival mode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and the nervous system is just constantly moving out of sympathetic uh, and parasympathetic. So it really depends on how, uh, what we're doing and mm -hmm. how active we are in that moment. Uh, but in many cases, we are in a sympathetic state, especially if we're just living. Yes. You know, like you're having crucial conversations with people you care about, you're at work, and so you're trying to problem solve. You're doing a podcast. This is somewhat of a sympathetic mm -hmm. experience because we're trying to articulate our words and be present to put mm -hmm. energy out through our, our tone of voice. Yep. Um, and then you could also go, it could just be a response from being in a calm, relaxed state to hearing a loud noise mm -hmm. or a, sound, uh, a sudden noise, which will be uh, a sympathetic response instantly. Yes. Which is why it's a spectrum because someone that might have PTSD or might have more of a... Um, mm that might be more sensitive to auditory, then that's going to re uh, create more of a sympathetic state yes. in that point, that yes. stress state. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's just pretty much on a spectrum of that. Uh, anxiety disorder is effectively stuck in sympathetic state, yes. so in the stress state. So it's caused due to physical or mental anxiety mm -hmm. um, and our physical tension, so our physiological and our psychological and mental tension overreactions to a to creating an unnecessary, unresourceful and unhealthy response in the mind and body. Mm. So that's the anxiety disorder. It's when we're creating something that's unnecessary, it's unresourceful. Yes. Because yeah. this response is healthy to have a parasympathetic and a sympathetic. Yes. But what we're talking about in anxiety disorder is when it goes past that point of being resourceful in that mm. moment yes. to a point where we're hoarding onto it physically through physical tension yes. or mental tension by replaying that scenario over and over and over again to the point that we can't sleep and we're stressed. And yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a very good explanation. I like to, uh, I wanted to add, I like to um, share with people to think about how temperature works and how body temperature works where you might be in a room that's warm but then the moment you exit that room, it might be cold outside. Mm. The body is instantly going to, going to react to the cold and the body is actually going to start. There's only these, these micro functions, these micro adjustments where the heart rate will increase, the metabolic rate will increase a little bit as a result of the cold to just produce more heat. Yeah. But that is an automatic function and that's also somewhat of a micro sympathetic response to the cold. Yeah. And then when you have anxiety is someone might come in to step into a room where the air con's on mm. and even the room is actually quite comfortable but just the shift mm. in change which is confusing for them yeah and that can trigger a story in the head is like oh my god it's freezing in here and they might be like oh it feels like antarctica in here but mm. then they're visualizing antarctica mm -hmm. and then the body is actually feeling colder than the actual temperature in the room because yeah. of the mental state of the individual and so that's what we describe as a trigger for an anxiety response and then the person's uh, relationship with anxiety or their relationship with triggers determines how they then respond to that trigger yeah that's how um, panic attacks can ensue if they don't know how to regulate themselves against that. But we'll, we'll get further into that. Um, 
We want to now talk about some of the benefits of anxiety. I really want to, um, this is the crux of this podcast, is actually mm. showing people that there is a lighter side. There's more than just being the world's best stripper. No, I was not the world's best stripper. But, you know, winning awards and Perth. there's more than that. There, yeah, there's more, yeah, Perth's. And there's more than just um, utilising anxiety to um, uh, arrive on time to things. So before we do that, we can't play Mystery Sound, which is a bit... Unfortunate. bit poo. It's a bit sad, isn't it? Our last podcast of the year, and we can't even do scammed. No fucking mystery sounds. What kind of studio is this? That's my mystery sound because we don't have any mystery sounds. Welcome back to the show. Well, it's just anyway. I say this every time, but to the listener, there's no there's no break anyway. So let's just get into it. All right, reframing anxiety by exploring the benefits. Let's challenge the common narrative surrounding anxiety. Instead of viewing it solely as a burden, let's explore the benefits. As we now know, anxiety in its essence is a response to potential threats, a survival mechanism that has helped humans navigate the world since we were born, since Jesus gave birth to all of us. So by changing the view to anxiety as a feedback mechanism, we can start to see the positives within it. I want to start by sharing a conversation of a friend of Nav and myself who recently overcame a long stint with anxiety they had a very tough uh, tough two years. It's actually been about maybe two and a half to three years now since this has happened. And this person had long stints with a psychologist. They were on different trials of medication and multiple health tests. And that left them clueless to the issues, ironically amplifying the anxiety itself. This is also one of my parents is going through this same thing again, which is why this podcast is so close to my heart. And it was finally found out that anxiety was the issue for this friend and counseling and some medications were the things that were prescribed. Now, I ended up having a conversation with this person just the other day because I was like, yeah, I'm recording a podcast on anxiety on the week. And they were like, why are you doing that? And I'm like, well, because obviously so many people struggle with anxiety and half the issue with anxiety is that people don't have a healthy relationship with anxiety because they see it as a bad thing. And when we can see it as a good thing, they start to realize that that that's part of the journey out of it. And then they said, oh, no fucking shit. That's exactly what happened to me. And I'm like, yes, that's why we're doing the podcast. Mm. So they went on to share that that we call the, the anxiety era. They went on to share that that was actually one of the best things that ever happened to them. And so here's what anxiety taught them. Number one, self-awareness. They now understand that they need to pay attention to their body. Had they known the early signs of anxiety, it wouldn't have gotten so bad. They were so numb at the time. They were so numb to their problems and all the pressure they were feeling from this external things happening in their world that their body was creeping up that sympathetic scale. It was getting more tense. It was getting more rigid. The the breath was in um, the breath rate was getting tighter and shortening, and it was such a creeping baseline that they were just completely unaware of what was happening until they started having moments where they we were out drinking and that person just almost passed out but they only had a couple of drinks and at the time they also smoked a bit of marijuana as well a bit of pot and then after something that was a small dose that was normal to them they were like we were having to drag them out because it was like well i'm i'm, I'm about to fall like someone hold me and that triggered all these like what's happening to my body what's going on and that if they had the awareness they wouldn't have noticed that. And now this person has now been exercising that self-awareness for such a long time now, they actually feel so much more at home within their body because they're not scared of these things happening because they understand that 
that's just a result of ignoring the feedback from their body. So self-awareness is a fantastic thing that they've developed. They've also developed a lot of resilience. This was one of the most challenging times of their life to them. This was a, one of the hardest things they've ever been through. But as a result, as a result of them finally overcoming that, that challenge, they now see themselves as a better version of themselves because they are. They're actually someone who's endured something hard and has brought back those those uh, trophies or those scars, however you want to frame it, but they now see themselves as more capable and more able of achieving hard things, which is a beautiful thing. They're a more um, self-confident and motivated person. The other thing they now have is a lot more empathy. This person now has greater empathy for others who also experience anxiety, whereas previously they couldn't understand them. And that would give them sense of a sense of superiority or a sense of judgment, which would actually then create separation between them and certain friends because they couldn't understand why this person was struggling with seemingly such basic things. But internally, that person was dealing with a lot. But externally, it's just like, why the fuck is life so hard for that person? It's just witchcraft. Yeah, it's just witchcraft. <laughs> we should just, burn just fucking burn them and just take the <laughs> fucking, you know. Wow. So that gave him a lot of empathy. And that has, and, and Nav and I have both seen this person's, um, many relationships have transformed because this person's a more grounded and a slightly more caring version of themselves, which is, an amazing thing, right? Mm. But that's one individual. And that's also someone who has now, who's quote unquote, overcome anxiety. So Nav, what would be some things that we can talk about for people who are still struggling with anxiety? And what about some benefits that we would see for people who are currently struggling with anxiety, um, maybe short term and some long term things? Yeah, beautiful. So let's dive firstly into the triggers of anxiety. Mm. So what even begins anxiety for people? Uh, because awareness is number one, being able to identify we already know the symptoms of anxiety, mm -hmm. but what then triggers anxiety and starts that journey for mm. them? And then we can imply, apply uh, practices to stop yes. that from being triggered and stop that from ha occurring. Yes. Um, so number one, uh, anxiety is fear of the future. So such as an event, feeling or experience. So normally uh, depression is thought of the past, anxiety mm -hmm. is of the future. So it's, it's uh, a stress response of awe, oh, the unknown and uncertainty of what's to come. Yes. Uh, people will fall victim to anxiety when they are not used to self-regulating their emotions or unaware of how to regulate their nervous system. So when people hold onto an experience long after their healthy resourceful response, so it's a psychological response or even a physiological, like I mentioned, someone might be cut off on the, on the road and now they don't know how to regulate their emotions or that experience that then mentally and physically they're holding onto that tension, which will trigger anxiety for longer mm -hmm. over time. Ang unnecessary anxieties, of yep. course. Mm -hmm. uh, when people learn to deal with triggers and learn how to self-regulate, they can then navigate that anxiety better, mm -hmm. which will dive into some practices that will help someone having that trigger response and then being able to move through that. Yes. Um, so firstly, let's dive also into the benefits of anxiety. Because yeah. we keep going back over like unresourceful anxiety or unnecessary anxiety, unhealthy um, anxiety. So let's just make sure we cover the healthy benefits of anxiety. Mm -hmm. uh, so anxiety is an opportunity to become aware of our triggers. Mm. It's just like touching a, like pain, it's touching a hot, um, yeah, hot spot. Hot spot. Yeah, yeah. An erogenous zone. No, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty hot. <laughs> it's, it's pretty hot. <laughs> you want to go towards that, though. Yeah, you, you do, don't want to. Do. Yeah, you don't want to go away you from do. that. Exactly. <laughs> Given circumstances, but it's just like pain. Uh, yes. Anxiety is an opportunity to become aware of our triggers, mm. uh, just like a communication. And then normally it starts off as a whisper, 
Uh, and then just like anything else, like depression uh, or fear, what have you, starts up a whisper like, hey, by the way, you're a little bit nervous about the situation. And then eventually, if you don't listen to it, you don't pay attention to your responses yes. or how you regulate to stress, it could then turn into a panic attack if ignored. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of anxiety that people are struggling with right now is actually an opportunity for them to improve their self-awareness mm -hmm. and self-regulation. So that's whether it's psychologically, physiologically, or biologically. Mm -hmm. Don't just see had the anxiety and then become a victim to it and say, oh, I have anxiety and label yourself as an ang yes. anxious person. Mm -hmm. Recognize anxiety is an experience that you as a human being uh, is having yeah. and that you could utilize that feedback and that opportunity to become more self-aware yes. and to master yourself and become more self-disciplined yeah. and become a stronger, better version of yourself. It's your era anxiety chapter absolutely like yeah. i mentioned at the start of this podcast i'm i genuinely believe i'm blessed that i've had the anxiety that i've had yeah, absolutely because i now have such a strong mental physical relationship mm -hmm. with myself and life that yeah. allows me to do things that a lot of people are scared of doing yes absolutely. Um, and i feel for people that don't have that i feel people that don't yeah. get the anxiety or emotional response in their life mm -hmm. that propels them into actually doing the things that matter for them Yes. They're kind of just like, oh, life is okay. It's, it's fine. And that's, I would say that's not okay. You know, just yeah. living in this like gray zone uh, or not the gray zone, but this like, um, you're not thriving, you're surviving. Yeah. Yeah. Screw that. For people like you and I, it's not okay. Yeah. For people that want to live a more um, fulfilled and adventurous life, if you want to live the gray life, the yeah. black and white life, then by all means, like yeah. you can... You can just live the monotone life. but I would say it's very specific to the individual, right? Like what is thriving to that person? Yeah. And so someone doesn't have to do what we do to thrive, but if yes. their life is calling for them to be a great, just a great parent, and mm -hmm. I, I don't mean the word just, but uh, someone wants to be a bus driver mm -hmm. and their goal is to be the best bus driver they could be to support yes. their children. Yeah. But still, if anxiety is stopping them from doing that, yes. then they're not thriving within their own life. That's yep. kind of how I perceive it yes. anyway. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's very well put. Uh, anxiety is a simple tool of reminding us to be aware. Yes. It's like, hey, by the way, are you looking at these things intentionally? Mm. Are you acting upon your life intentionally? Yep. Yep. Um, so most of our poor decisions or mistakes are made when we are in a chaotic place or an unaware place. So mm. we're just on autopilot. We're reacting. Um, we have chaotic uh perceptions of, yes. of of life and yeah. we'll dive into that later mm -hmm. and anxiety is awareness tool that keeps us on our toes it keeps yeah. us moving it it gives us the green light telling us yo pay attention uh we can do life better like we can yeah. move into this and this is where i yeah. want to go yeah I, I love i love to sometimes not all the time i like to see anxiety as a little friend on the shoulder that's yeah. like tapping you be like hey like let's go this way or if you do want to go this way you just like keep your eyes peeled. Yeah. Like don't be too too blase as you go down there. Yeah. And like I mentioned before, like a bit of anxiety on the road is quite helpful sometimes because yeah. it keeps us alert. Because if you get too casual, mm. that's when you can, you know, you have your little car crash or something mm. like that, you know. And um, anxiety, as I've recently been riding uh, a motorbike lately as well, mm. that general anxiety um, that I've had getting on the bike has been my best rides. Mm. Because when I feel too confident and too casual on the bike, that's when I've had all of my near misses. Yeah. Is when I'm not paying attention, when I'm like, oh, la di da di da, riding super cool, I'm the best, blah, 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 I own these roads. Yeah. But and then I lose a bit of that spatial awareness as well. So yeah. I love to, yeah. um, I love how anxiety is, um, 
anxiety is anticipation as just as much as it is excitement to mm. the body. It's a state mm. of alertness mm. and being alert is often a really great thing. Yeah. And I heard in another podcast um, a while back, and that was the first time that I really started to think about reframing anxiety as this individual talked about, you would have been in, tri- in the tribe's days, the person who is the most anxious person in that tribe would have been the one who would have been delegated to sit on the watchtower yeah. because they're the ones that are the most reliable person. Because oh, they're they, not going to sleep. They, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're going to keep everybody safe. And I was like, no shit. Like that actually, it, it made me realize, or just it just made me rethink that, wow, mm. anxiety amongst many perceived negative emotions, they actually have an opportunity to serve us. And yeah. so... Uh, a lot of this podcast is about just reframing the perspective and just be like, oh, what if it wasn't a bad thing? Mm. And we can apply that principle to many other things. Like what if depression wasn't just a purely bad thing? What do these and whatever things... whatever is and what is a bad thing? <laughs> it's just, it's, yeah, we're getting deep now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like, honestly, like anything can be a bad thing just yeah. depending what you're referencing it off. Yeah. So that's a really good thing. So um, very well put. So hopefully you're already starting to see anxiety is a good thing and, and hopefully you're starting to understand that... Um, you want to be improving your relationship with anxiety and you want to be more aware of your triggers of what causes you the anxiety. And the more you pay attention to your body, the more you can work with these pools and pools of anxiety as you're sliding up and down that parasympathetic to sympathetic um, uh, spectrum. Yeah. So with that in mind, let's talk about how we can give people some advice or some practical tips on how to actually improve your relationship with anxiety. We know it's a good thing. We know we, we're not going to get burned at the stake in the Scottish 15, uh, at the stake in the Scottish 1500s. Yeah. And we know we want to learn how to um, regulate ourselves better and condition ourselves to anxiety, right? Yeah. So now that we've uh, have established that anxiety has its merit, how we let's talk about how we can train our response to it. It's not about eliminating anxiety, but rather understanding and managing it in a healthy way. We even both talked about how we get anxiety before this podcast, and that's an okay thing because anxiety leads us to spaces that grow us generally. So here are some practical tips to train your anxiety response. Nav, do you want to kick us off with some self-regulation points? Yeah, beautiful. So the first one we have for self-regulation is breathing drills. Mm. Uh, I think two really come to mind, the physiological response. Like we are pumping oxygen and carbon dioxide. Like there is a biological, uh, biochemical response that we have by breathing. Yes. That's number one. And then also it, we're focusing our attention on our breath, which takes us away from all of the uh, negative framing or yeah. chaotic thoughts, psychological patterns that we might have. Yeah. And this gives us a break from that. Yeah. Otherwise, we don't have many breaks from that. Yeah, uh, especially, We're thinking about what are people going to judge us? How many likes am I going to get in this post? Yeah, Who's yeah. going to go to my party? Yeah. If I go to this event, who is there going to be to talk to? I'm yeah. going to have no friends or yeah. I'm going to be late for this or I don't have anything to do with this weekend. All these random things that definitely don't exist in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Projection. <man. laughs> yeah, so I'm breathing. The I'm the best stripper. <laughs> I like breathing drills for that because, yeah, it does dive. And, and it's more active for people. People mm-hmm. that tend to be dealing with anxiety, they like to be active. They like yes. to move. yes. Um, which kind of moves into the next one, which is meditation, mm-hmm. heavily meditated, yeah, boy. as I have on my mug in front of me. But I've been meditating every single day for 13 years now, which is yeah. unreal reflecting oh, upon. Yeah. Uh, and it's one of my most favorite practices, but it is challenging. Yes. It's extremely challenging. And I have found a lot of strength from that challenge. But for people normally starting with guided meditation or breathing is a great way to regulate their body and then 
I would definitely recommend getting into the ability to meditate because that teaches you how to observe and pay attention without judgment. It creates patience for yourself, which will then move into patience in the external reality. And yeah. I could talk about meditation all day, but that's a great practice. Uh, conscious relaxation. So this is where I think breathing drills and meditation then process into conscious relaxation. Mm -hmm. To believe, some people might be masters at this, and there are some people, but... In most cases, you need an active practice like going to the gym. You work on your posture intentionally and consciously so that then in everyday movement and actions, you could then hold your posture. Same thing with conscious relaxation. If you have not intentionally practiced breathing drills or meditation, so it's going to be, hey, just relax. Yep. Like how many times have we heard that, but we don't know how to. But it's a great way uh, to regulate ourselves and which then goes into body scanning where you just pay attention to your body and relax it, mm -hmm. relax from, you can pay attention and body scan where tension is. Mm -hmm. You could breathe into that area of your body and then relax that area of your body. Yes. Which once again, breathing drills and meditations help us do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of um, the body scans and the conscious relaxation. Yeah. It's been game changer for me and yeah. also a massive performance uh, enhancer mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, just going from things like running and um, practicing nose breathing and that was when I was dealing with anxiety and seeing a psychologist for that, amongst many other things as well. Mm. When I was um, training for, I think I was training for half Ironman at that point, and mm. he instructed me to um, train with no earphones. And uh, I chose to nose breathe, but he just said run in silence and mm. then practice going from uh, spatial awareness to a narrow focus, to an open focus, to a narrow mm. focus, to teach myself how to shift my framework and my perspective. Mm. But then... The, the thing that I needed to do to actuate that when I was running was to then have that conscious relaxation mm. so that I could actually move more fluently and then transition from, yeah, I, I had to release tension in my body in order to have more navigational skills and more control over the mind and be in more of a flow state, which mm. was really, um, that transformed not only my running, but it transformed my mental health. So mm. who would have thought that if you do the homework that your psychologist tells you to do, your mind gets better. Yeah. Who would have thought? I had yeah. no idea. So that was really good. Um, and rolling into that is um, I'm a big fan of uh, like assisted things. So I've wrote here like assisted relaxation, learning how to relax because um, in my own journey, I would read books and on inner peace and I'd listen to podcasts and I would speak to people about, they're like, yeah, this is, this is what you got to do. Relax. I'm like, yeah, I am relaxing. And then I would like smoke a joint and then be like, yeah, I'm relaxed, but I'm still thinking about my problems. And yeah, so yeah. I, my definition of what relaxed actually was, was not what true relaxation actually really was. And so mm -hmm. then I started going into things like um, getting proper massages. And then after I had a massage, I'm like, fuck, this is how good the body actually can be. And on the note of massaging, trying different massage therapists because different yeah. facilitators um, have a different healing effect with different people. And so I was able to find a, a therapist that I worked well with, which was Tyler. Mm -hmm. And then we started working together for two years and, and that really was a very good anchor as well. And then from there, um, I engaged with a lot of um, guided meditation. I never did any hypnotherapy, but that's something I definitely relate to as well, or resonate with. Um, definitely something that you're good at now as well these days. Um, and going to floats and saunas and just getting any sort of therapeutic service. I've always found for my own journey and for many, not for everyone, mm. that doing things assisted, like I really like to get my hand held for a lot of new experiences. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I learn really well that way as well. And I have more confidence to go into 
uh, that particular space, whether it was when I was a diesel mechanic and I really wanted the lecturer nearby when I was working on the engine, all the way to learning more about anatomy with an anatomy mentor, mentor, mm. all the way through with like getting into ultramarathon with a mentor for that as well. And so then mm. that is the same thing as getting a massage therapist. They help take me into a deeper space. So yeah, um, it helps us let go of our own yeah. framing and, mm-hmm. and patterns. And yeah, you just got to trust them. Yeah. Trust that person to lead you into the space, into the unknown and know that it's going to be okay. And um, you know, that. Uh, many of my results have been achieved a lot faster as a result of just um, investing the time and money into doing things with mentors. Yeah, yeah. What's next, Nav? Uh, The mindfulness and awareness. So practicing self-awareness, so finding ways to regularly check yourself. Mm. Um, So you can use set, uh, like setting alarms or reminders. A lot of like people's uh, Fitbits or wearables now have like, hey, by the way, you haven't moved, so just move. Or you haven't like Mm -hmm. breathed in a while. Like those sort of reminders are really useful. Uh, and then you could actually set up more like journaling mm-hmm. um, and specific uh, self-awareness practices that will help you there as well. Yeah, definitely. I had a little fun technique was um, just sticking stickers everywhere. It was actually my PT client was told to do it and then I did the same thing. But mm. I just stuck these little smiley face stickers. I got it from the $2 shop and I stuck like a sticker on my steering wheel. I stuck one on my mouse and on my keyboard at um, at work and I stuck one on the on my door and like just even in random corners of the office mm. and my rule was like every time I saw a sticker I had to pause and take a big deep breath mm. and so I just planted all these things around but it started to build that habitual um, resonance with just feeling more calm and relaxed and, and just taking a deep breath and exhaling which is quite helpful yeah yeah I love that that's like an anchoring practice yeah yeah yeah, yeah, that's that's basically, really yeah it is it's just a, yeah, a fun fun way of anchoring yeah yeah um would you want to have anything adding to, you know, things of cognitive restructuring? Is there anything that you've learned recently from your... Like NLP and NLP no. studies? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So cognitive re, uh, restructuring. So it's important to identify that we have a current frame of the world, our maps. So most people use the term like lens, like we're wearing glasses and the lens that we have on the glasses determine how we see the world. Mm-hmm. And so what we do, our unique map is determined by how we generalize, delete or distort information. Mm-hmm. We dive deeper into that that's like dependent on our values and our meta programming and all those things but it's important to understand that we do have our each and every individual has their own map of the world like your how you see the world is not reality right there might be some factual essences of it to a degree but we all see reality in a completely different way to one another and so it's important to identify that firstly because then we could work on shifting this frame if necessary it's not always necessary to shift our frame, but if our current map of the world is not serving us and it's creating anxiety, it's creating mm-hmm. stress in an unresourceful way, which is impacting our ability to live in alignment with our values and our desires. And so we could have where we are and our goal, but our map is impacting our ability to get to our goal, that we need to reframe our map to get to our goal. And so that's basically what that practice is. And that takes... Maybe, I think now we're getting deeper into it, that might take someone like us that can help them identify that, speaking mm-hmm. to a professional that can help pull out of them yeah. their frame because normally we get so attached to our frame that we do need an outsider to confuse us to detach ourselves from our frame to then reframe. Uh, but you can certainly, if you get really good at journaling, asking questions, yeah. um, even just consistently uh, like reading books or listening to podcasts, which would then trigger something new within us, that's a great way to create a reframe and shift mm. our map, which will then get us to our goal. Because in, in most cases, if you don't have the goal that you have now, chances are there's something, there's an issue within your map. Mm-hmm. You need to improve upon your map to find out the journey to that. And a lot of that can be psychological 
mm. um, which needs reframing. Wow, that's super. Yeah, I, I enjoy listening to that. It. Um, I don't know if I think I might have told you. I don't know if I shared it in one of the previous episodes, but it's a random thing that I self discovery that I had of um, being okay with wearing. Crocs, mm. <laughs> <And> <laughs> it was like so. Obviously, I wear Crocs. I was actually sitting in the office, in the um, studio at the moment. But yeah, yeah. I only ever wore shoes, mm. and the only re- the the sole reason why I only ever wore shoes was so that I could catch a robber if I needed to. Yeah, and it yeah. was this hero complex that yeah. I that I lived with. And yeah. I've only started wearing things like Crocs and sandals and slides as of about maybe like two and a half years now. Mm. And up until it's only recently they realized I'm like, why am I so relaxed on Sundays? Like Sundays are like croc days. I only wear like crocs and slides on Sundays. Mm. And once I started wearing an open footwear that mm. I couldn't, I couldn't chase thieves in, I, it transformed. I just felt so relaxed. And I was like, how have I been living 28 years of my life? Just being always ready. That was my thing. I'm going to wear shoes because I'm ready for action. Mm. But that amount of tension and anxiety that I was walking around with, mm. it that means I was never purely present. Even uh, I'm single at the time, but even the, the with my partners, I'd yeah. be walking around, yeah. you know, the markets with them and stuff. And yeah. I'm like, where's the robber? Where's That's the robber? The perfect example how environment can create a frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just it was yeah. And so now I'm like, fuck the robbers. <laughs> it's not my job. Yeah, it's not yeah. my job. And do you know yeah. what happened? I actually like I was at the shops and some thieves they raided the um they raided the the bottle shop and they were running out with the carton of jacks and I was like I was in my Crocs. I'm like, oh no, I can't get them. Yeah. And I like had this moment. Where I'm like, should I? Should I? I was like, ah, oh, fuck it. Like it's just a. <laughs> It's just a bottle. It's just a carton of jacks at the end of the day. Like, who cares? Like, I really wanted to chase them. I really, really wanted to chase (laughs) them. Um, But I was so, I was like, you know what? It's all good. The world goes on. Like, no one's one's messed up. They were just a bunch of, like, like, you know, early 20s, maybe late teens kind of guys. And I'm like, Mm. it's all sweet. Like, imagine if I did, like, chase them down. Like, there was so many negative things that could have came from that situation that just had nothing to do with me. It's not a problem. So, um, wear Crocs, everybody. The next thing is we're talking about is resilience training. And so when we are anxious, anxious is improving our awareness, but it's because we're sensitive to something. We're sensitive to fear of something. We're sensitive to, and a lot of the time it's something that's not, that doesn't exist. And what's happening in this sensitive space is that we are, um, we are unable to regulate ourselves. And so when we are, it's like a balance point, right? The more time you spend balancing on a tightrope, for example, the longer you can be on that tightrope. And so people who are anxious, for example, or struggle with anxiety are the equivalent of when they start to creep up that um, sympathetic response or that anxiety response, they just shoot up. They can't just sit in the mid-range of that anxiety response or they, they can't sit in mild anxiety without blowing that out into a panic attack. That's okay. That's fine. But that's what we're doing. We introduce things of resilience training to improve our ability to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and being comfortable with anxiety. And that teaches us or that gives us the grounds to um, learn how to pull ourselves back down the sympathetic scale, back over to the parasympathetic scale. So I call this finding ways to explore your own edge. As you become more experienced, you can you can push that edge further and further and further. And that goes in many different ways. So you can use that to pursue hard challenges. 
whether that be mental, mental or physical, and finding ways to put yourself into uncomfortable situations. Mm. Now, remember, your version of uncomfortable is different to my version of uncomfortable, which is different to Nab's version of uncomfortable, and your version of physical uncomfortable is different to your version of emotional comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, be gentle with yourself when you play. You play around with finding your edge, and so for example. You could find, put yourself in a social situation if you're struggling with social anxiety. You could put yourself into what I do, endurance events or strength exercise for physical anxiety. You could put yourself into saunas and cold exposure and breath work for nervous system training, which is still part of your physical and mental anxiety. Sitting in silence for fear of stillness anxiety, which is a thing that um, Nav and I are going to be doing over the Christmas holidays. We're going to yep. do our own little silent retreat, which is basically oh, just sit, yeah. sitting in silence. <laughs> um, and also this is a really interesting one, which is um, relevant to me and many people, but putting yourself into a loving situation mm-hmm. for relationship anxiety. Many, many people will sabotage many relationships because they can't handle the love that certain people give me. Uh, give, give me. <laughs> <Before you sleep. laughs> Whoops. <laughs> give them. <laughs> give them. Fuck. <laughs> Mystery sound, mystery sound, mystery <laughs> sound. Um, so these are the things that really I want you to think about. Where does your anxiety actually come from and how do you use some sort of basically exposure ex- exposure therapy yes. to um, nurture your way through that anxiety response? And you can choose to do that alone or you can do, choose to do that um, assisted. If you choose to do these things uh, alone, then I would encourage you to engage in things like breath work practices or breathing practices, meditation practices first, because you can do that through guided breath work journeys, guided meditation journeys. But that's the thing that the fastest way to pull yourself out of a sympathetic response or an anxiety response is to control your breathing. That's the thing that physically grabs the body and just drops the heart rate. And you just, you can't be living in high anxiety when the heart rate is low. So that's your first tool. Um, and the other thing I just wanted to add in, which is relevant to both, both myself and what my, um, uh, our friend has had happened to them is outworking their self-doubt or outworking your self-doubt. If you go through these uncomfortable situations consistently, you just start to realise you're actually uber capable of doing yeah. stuff and that builds your um, confidence and therefore your relationship with anxiety is heavily improved. Beautiful. We've got a couple more things we're going to add in before we jump into our little takeaways on the end of the podcast or on the home stretch. And then we're going to um, have no mystery sounds. All right, and we're back. We're back from the mysterious break that never happened, that break for us. So... We are back to talking about our training with the, training the stress anxiety response. We've just talked about uh, resilience training, and then Nav is going to bring us into finding emotional freedom. Okay, awesome. So many traumas and pains are deeply embedded in the subconscious and the nervous system. Uh, so find the right therapist to help you. Will do this. So, uh, well, the subconscious is what kind of guides us. It's like our map of the world. Mm. We can't be conscious of everything, right? So our conscious maps that. Big brain. Yeah, yeah. Is it? Is that a big uh, brain? It's kind of like our well, smart computer, you know, yeah. like our smart computer that holds, it's like mm. the hard drive that has all the files that hold everything. Our conscious mind is what brings the files to the current present moment, mm. right? Then they also have the unconscious mind, which is where all the repressed stuff is. Mm. Um, so that's important to understand. We don't always want to open up repressed stuff sometimes we repress it for a healthy reason it's just Mm. not necessary to bring to the surface but if we're being guided by our subconscious that the the smart computer and the files that are at play there and all the uh the apps and whatever that are playing in the background Mm. it is important to identify those in the subconscious and then also and that's from the psychological 
Then we have our physiological patterns and then we also have our biological patterns that we need to play with. Um, but the emotional freedom comes mostly from uh, the psychological. Um, so that's when you can see someone like a counsellor, a yep. trauma specialist, psychologist, psychosomatic. So mm -hmm. psychosomatic is moving with the body and the psychology mm -hmm. at the same time. Uh, and then also engaging in self-expression activities. So you could do things that just bring you joy. Movement, dancing, music. It's um, actually Andrew Huberman was on the Two Bears, One Cave podcast. Oh, really? And uh, he talked about the language of music and how music and dance was actually brought, uh, was utilized prior to even language itself. And that's because it was, uh, it would induce emotions. And so even if you have someone that might be like a mute or someone that's highly autistic and they don't communicate with their words, but you would still find them singing or using certain tones and dancing. And it's because it's an emotional response that also invokes emotions in someone else. And so things like dancing, movement, art, music, these are all uh, expressions that mm -hmm. tend to bring emotions into play, more so than words. Because a lot of times words are just like, oh, that's a cop. Mm -hmm. You know, and mm -hmm. it, it might invoke an emotion depending on the individual. But in most cases, if you invoke a certain um, tone, it, most of us will have a similar response yeah. to a degree and it yeah. will invoke some sort of emotion. Uh, and then also doing the thing you've always wanted to do but never felt like you could do. So something that you've been anxious about or being held back by. Mm -hmm. the, you even mentioned it earlier. I think it might even just be that last couple points back, but confidence is brought upon by action, right? Like yes. You kind of could go into a new experience and you could kind of relate to something else that you could have a level of like even delusion or confidence within yourself moving into that. Mm -hmm. You're not truly confident until you've already succeeded at it fully. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so doing the thing you've always wanted to do but never felt like you could will bring you an emotional freedom that you've like never felt before to a degree in that situation anyway. But there's nothing that beats. We've all experienced that, right? We've been so nervous about something and then we do it and then it's like yeah. liberating. Yes. And it's just, for me anyway, it's just constant, mm -hmm. constantly trying to put myself in those situations. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's very good. Very love. I enjoyed listening to that. I won't for the sake of the time, but... You talking about that, I just had all this big epiphanies on um, I've got a client who's on the spectrum and mm. I just realised where I'm going wrong with their training mm. as well. And um, they, they they can recall any song yeah. Just and, and they actually train with a, an earpiece just to listen to music because that's soothing for them and mm. I don't have enough rhythm in the training. Mm. There's, not, there's not enough rhythm because it's, it's not cathartic enough for them yeah. and every time there is movement, it works. With anyway, it's all... Yeah, it's all yeah. come together. I'm like, oh, I need to train this person. I need to fix that thing. So, um, the last thing we're going to add in with resilience training uh, is having the hard talks. I feel like this is gold because this doesn't happen often in terms of what coaches talk about, but it's also been hugely, hugely impactful in my journey, your journey, and most people's journeys. And conversations are something that brings huge amounts of anxiety to many people, and it's not just like sometimes it's conversations with oneself. Mm. One of my yep. biggest anxiety triggers, I actually had a moment where, um, this was years ago, but I actually eye-gazed myself mm. in the mirror and mm. I was having a moment and I was just like, I came home and I was like feeling super depressed and I'm like, what the fuck is going on in my life? Where am I going? Who am I? Why am I here? And I just stared in the mirror and I looked into my eyes and I couldn't do it. Mm. It was so uncomfortable. I couldn't, couldn't do it. And that triggered a, a years and months and years of just um, having conversations with myself to realize, like ask, like, who am I, what I want? And 
Um, I like to be more verbal because my dream is to be a public speaker. And so I actually have conversations to myself where um, uh, Nav and many people love to journal a lot as well. And so I, um, I found that um, having those conversations with myself also had a ripple effect in having conversations with my parents where I was holding resentment back and opening up, remember this and that. And that brought me so much anxiety because I didn't want to, I didn't, I was struggling with certain feelings that would have gone, would have came up. And then also just when things come up with people as well, if someone pisses you off, the hardest thing to do sometimes is to bring it up then and there. A lot of the time we try and wait till it's all died out and we wait till later, but then sometimes it's not even worth bringing up and then that gets buried. And so finding ways to, um, just give yourself finding ways to find the courage to communicate I wrote here that communication is a huge breeding ground for anxiety yet it's also the same perfect platform to become less prone to it and so conversations will come up on a constant daily basis as coaches we get better and better at because we're constantly having to take advantage of moments to communicate clients where they're not showing up for themselves or not showing up for others as well and if we're not showing up if we let our own anxiety get in the way of communicating that to the client, then we're not even showing up for that client and it's this big spiral. So um, have the conversations that you've been avoiding. If the, thought of the con- if, if the thought of having a or the conversation brings you anxiety, it's probably the sign that that conversation should be had. And learn to communicate about the thing when the thing happens. Don't wait weeks, months or years later. Is there anything you want to add to that, Nav? That's perfect. I think you covered it really well. All right. So there we have it. This is the tail end of the podcast. Mystery sound. Ba-bum. No mystery sound. Uh-oh. Okay. So let's recap. Anxiety is not a bad thing. It's just a thing. It's when we judge it as a bad thing that it gets worse. Anxiety can be noticed as a whisper. It's when we wait for it to get louder does it become a serious problem. Anyone struggling with anxiety can and will overcome it. And when they do, they are guaranteed to look back on that time with gratitude. As I might have mentioned the other podcast, gratitude, the attitude, seeing it as a good thing is a thing that helps you overcome many challenges. When anxiety is overcome, when we embrace it, not run from it. Anxiety never goes away. We just get better at noticing it and working with it. Anxiety is a tool. It is a feedback mechanism. We must dedicate time to the art. We must dedicate ourselves to the art of self-awareness and self-regulation. Training resilience and practicing self-awareness is our journey to inner peace. Anxiety isn't usually a isn't usually a journey. Anxiety usually isn't a journey worth doing alone. Sorry. We must aim to have compassion for all as it helps us become more compassionate for ourselves. That's the recap. That's the recap of anxiety. Nav, what is your mystery item? Oh, did I bring it? Did I bring it? I wonder. It's my hand. Surprise. Uh, As a, a very regular theme is I want to help or I want to be able to self-regulate as much as possible. Like I know I'm with myself more than anything. I think about if I was in the desert and I had nothing around me, what Mm -hmm. could I utilize to survive that experience? And, and uh, hopefully my own body would be useful in that situation. But the reason why I'm using my hands for today is uh, for a practice of anchoring. So what anchoring is, I can't remember what you mentioned for anchoring before, smiley faces so oh yeah we can use anything right we can use anything in an environment and we can attach an emotion or a thought pattern or affirmation or whatever to that and whenever we see that or feel it or experience it then it can we can uh invoke evoke invoke that experience or that mm. that feeling or thought yes uh anchoring in nlp and other practices is just using like something like the touch of two fingers you could do it on like touching your head or whatever point 
But then if you do this, you could then anchor an emotion mm -hmm. or a, uh, a feeling or a thought or a belief or whatever you want so that when you are in a stressful or anxious situation, you can just go back to that and go, okay, well, I want to feel happy or I want to feel courageous. I want to be present. Mm -hmm. And you can, the best way to do it is you want to really envision a time that you were experienced that emotion. So let's say if you want to be present, you go back to a time where you're highly present. You're highly present. And we all have an, ex we have every single trait and emotion ever, right? And we most likely experienced it. So you just got to, it doesn't have to be the most profound experience you've ever had, but it just has to be a moment that you're experienced presence. Try and associate with that moment. Try and really bring it into the body. Really bring that presence up within yourself and then capture that within an anchor. And now, and keep doing that, keep retesting and make sure it's there. And then over time, you'll get better at re-anchoring that within yourself. And then if you ever have a moment where you feel like you need to be present, anchor, anchor, anchor. Mm -hmm. And it could be a very useful tool. Really cool. I like that. I love anchoring. I need to do more of it myself as well. Just trying to think what I could anchor. <laughs> and my mystery, mystery item, item is... Hey. It is a alcoholic beverage, specifically Guinness. Yeah. So this is something, um, you know, if I was my hiking thing, there's a, there's a saying in hiking that out in the bush and if the item you bring doesn't have three uses then it's not worth bringing so i've technically got three but um i'll start with a, a slight history lesson slash uh, history story um i never met my biological grandmother on my dad's side because she passed away before i was born she passed away as a result of liver failure as a result of drinking too much guinness the reason she was drinking too much Guinness is because when she gave birth to my dad in 1948, which was three years after the war, classic baby boomer in Britain, she had a nervous breakdown, which is hysteria, which is a massive anxiety response. And back then they didn't have a label for anxiety disorder, nor did they have a proper treatment plan. And they gave her blood tests and identified that her iron was low. So her prescription as a result of her nervous breakdown, as a result of giving that birth to my dad, was to give her Guinness every single day for a decade, which killed her. And so that is the primary reason for sharing this. And as we said to one of the coaches uh, in the office, we're like, Kirsty, how lucky are you to be in 2023 right now? Because... All of the things that I researched were many, many of those things were directed at um, either soldiers with PTSD or women with hysteria. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, Kirsty, you're so lucky that because she had some, um, had a, a stint with anxiety as well. I'm like, you could have been crucified for witchcraft. So, yeah, yeah. or you could just be made drunk on, on Guinness. <laughs> so um, that is the main primary story of why I brought this as my mystery item. Bit of mm -hmm. sad, but rest in peace, um, grandma. Mm -hmm. Or none, whatever I would have called it. Um, but then also, alcohol is everyone's favorite medication. And the thing about dealing with anxiety, which is also a thing that uh, I'm also on a sober, my thing was smoking pot as well. I used to love smoking pot. And that was my uh, basically my medication for ADHD and anxiety that I experienced in my teen years. Got my hands on it and never went back. Um, never stopped, sorry. That it's the use of a substance to allow ourselves to feel good. And this is, whether it's Guinness or alcohol or weed or cigarettes or um, scrolling on social media, the moment we utilize a thing that is external to that, to, to us, it becomes a barrier in training the self-regulation response. And so we need to face 
the fact that when we become aware of our triggers, that that often makes us uncomfortable, which makes us want to reach for these things. And the thing behind the journey for you to get out of your anxiety is to nurture your way to becoming more resilient and find ways to use things less and less and less so that you can eventually become sober of your own um, uh, vices as well. And that's your journey to inner peace is be somewhat sober of the things that don't serve you. And that is my Guinness thing. There's my, that's my mystery item. I said three things. I can't be bothered sharing the third thing. The third thing's about me. You hear enough about me anyway. So um, thank you very much for listening to this podcast. A recommended resource is the SMA Stress Podcast. I believe it's episode four or five, maybe. And that is where we break down the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system further for you to understand more from an anatomy and physiology-based thing um, in an easy-to-understand easy to and digestible format for y'all. So happy oh i forgot to wear my fucking santa hat i was gonna wear a santa hat so i could jingle it for the last episode but anyway um that's okay uh we will see you in the new year 2024 yes thank you very much for listening to our show for um 18 months now i think we're in must be right what number is this well we, we skipped two months now i think based yeah, on 17, scheduling 18 so, months yeah um yeah we're technically yeah so yeah, year and a, we'll call it year and a half. We'll round it up. So, Unreal. Um, podcast's going great. We're getting absolutely fantastic feedback on it, and um, we absolutely enjoy doing it. So thanks for being a part of the journey, and there's many more years to come. Peace and much love, everybody.